the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's webradio.com. Another weekend, another reason to be fired up for the Republican Party. I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Washington, D.C. for the Right Online conference with several other of my citizen journalists. This past weekend was the Republican Party. It was actually a lot more than just the weekend. It was pretty much events going on the whole week uh, for the Republican Party in the state of Georgia. And uh, uh, we had several presidential candidates come in. Momentum has been building for this SEC primary which the idea is to move up Georgia to a March 1st primary date along with a lot of other southern states. And what that does is it makes us much more relevant in presidential politics. And we are the eighth largest state by population in the country. We have, uh, I was on Tim Bryant's show yesterday morning, David, talking about why we would want to move this up. And it's because I think that Georgia really offers a wide swath of the Republican brand. Obviously, in Atlanta, we have people that have moved in from all over, and then we have uh, smaller towns and rural areas where, you know, you have a mix of the social conservatives and the, and the fiscal conservatives and the folks that, uh, you know, want to be able to keep more of their own money. They don't think government is the best steward of it. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, the, the moderate wing of the party or the, the rhinos, the Republicans in name only. We, all, we need all of them. To, to, to win, and we just need to make sure we encourage our leaders to adopt the free market principles. Are you against your president giving Baltimore $163 million to establish a community trust? Are you saying you're opposed to I that? I may be slightly... I thought you were going to raise your hand and just say, I'll take care of it out of my left pocket. Didn't we give him $1.6 billion as part of the stimulus back in 2009? Where'd that money go? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's to pay Al Sharpton's daughter for spraining her ankle. Well, she wants five million dollars, and I was doing the math on that. He owes four million dollars in taxes. Let's see. Maybe she keeps a million and then pays off his tax burden. Do you you think the Sharptons are a generous family to each other? You think Christmas time they're just giving each other twenties like in the movie Donnie Brasco? I'd be scared to be in the house for <laughs> being stabbed in the back by one of them. I would be worried a, about... I'd check the, my pockets when I went in <laughs> and when I came out. Make sure the silverware is still there. Mm-hmm. Right? But, uh, anyway, I wanted to, we're going to talk some 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 Georgian, some presidential politics a little bit later. Christy Riggins, the the new editor at ZPolitics.com, replacing the uh, the famous Martha Zoller, who's been a, a stalwart journalist here in the state of Georgia. We'll be talking to her about the convention wrap up, and she just wrote uh, a really good article about five takeaways from it. Because again, Georgia, what happens here in Georgia, I think, is going to be endemic. For the rest of the country, as, as, as the Democrats think it's more and more of a competitive state and they're more and more willing to, to dump money in here, then we are going to gain more notoriety. More presidential candidates are going to come here. Um, unfortunately, at, at this point, I think we almost have too many candidates running. Um, Lindsey Graham just announced that he was going to announce. And I know, Lindsey, you're making a face already. Yeah, Lindsey Graham is about as useful as a hemorrhoid on a cowboy, He's as, as far as presidential politics go. His sole purpose, David, to run is to attack Rand Paul. I, I, I believe that. I believe that they, they talked Lindsey Graham into doing it. He's such a, a, a warmonger. And his sole purpose in running and getting TV time is to attack Rand Paul. 
That, I mean, and, and I just I do not think that kind of negative politics is going to help the broader Republican brand. What do you think about what, the, the the senator from South Carolina? <laughs> you know, quite frankly, I'm tired of the guy. I, I uh, <clears throat> sort of disappointed that uh, South Carolina couldn't pick somebody better. Um, yeah, he won by um, a huge margin oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple I'm, years ago. That's about the only positive I have to say about him. He he won by a big amount. <laughs> you know, he's – and correct me if I'm wrong. You're certainly more into it than I am. But he's like, you know, McCain and Graham and a few others uh, in the Republican Party – you know, they talk this big, mighty game. Well, if, if they don't do this, I'm going to see that they're in, you know, I'm going to do... Yeah. And nothing ever happens. They're the bellicose wing of the party, if you will. The ones that... I don't think Lindsey Graham ever served in the military, but he, he's running because he said he the, wor- the, the, the world... He's, he, in, he's, he's a JAG officer. Is he really? He was a JAG officer? Okay. Oh, he right. is. Oh, he is? He currently is? He currently okay. is. Wow. Yeah. Again, my apologies to Senator Graham. So he, uh, you know, <coughs> let me let I me mean, explain if he's jack- something to you. <laughs> there, there's a difference in being in the military and carrying a pistole and wearing boots and going out in the dirt. The boots on the ground. The right? boots on the ground. Yep. That get musty and and stink a little bit, as opposed to the ones going around in their starch shuts. In the in the so he's one of the blue the hallowed huh? halls of the <clears throat> coat, you know. So, uh, Mr. Graham has not been a grunt. Uh, you know what? I'm reading this now. He was defending. Okay, so he was commissioned as an officer and JAG in the U.S. Air Force in 1982, placed on active duty in 1984. And guess what? His active duty was. He was sent to Europe as a military prosecutor. So that's. Again, you know, I... A rough duty. I uh, I don't want to denigrate the man's uh, hashtag service, if you will. But uh, I just, I do not think that this guy is good for the Republican Party. I think he's still in the reserves. Doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, I, I didn't, I don't want to read too much about Lindsey today. But uh, he could he could very well be, but <coughs> somehow, somehow his name hasn't been called up to be deployed. I don't know. No, no. I have no idea. And, and McCain is and, and, and McCain is another one with a, a very robust foreign policy. He did. Did serve. I mean, he was in a, a prison for five years. But the the issue is now they seem to want this, you know, ever expanding war on terror and, and more snooping on American citizens. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of them not uh, collecting information on the on the people that are more likely to want to kill us. Why, why can't why, if you collect information on everybody? then you will never catch anybody. I mean, we've got these brothers at the Boston Marathon. One's dead, thankfully. The other, hopefully, will be meeting him in the 72 Virgins soon. Then we've got these other two guys that, in Texas that, that, uh, that, well, they're not in Texas anymore. They're in a grave. But they were tweeting about how they were going to go attack the Pam Geller conference. How, how do we miss that? And then we are still making grandma undress in TSA lines, Dave. What, I mean, what the hell are we doing wrong? Well, I tell you what. Did you happen to see the Ramadi shot of the uh, ISIS? Oh, the flags flying in. And, yeah. uh, and the, I don't know how many mile long the parade was. Now, my question was, and I was not high in the military by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I was, I was something lower than dirt. But at the same token, it doesn't take a genius to say, well. 
golly, you got all of this this parade of ISIS in their pickups, and they're four or five in each pickup. Yep. Airstrike, Where, maybe? Where's, where's my plane? <laughs> Where, where's my drone? Where's my bomb to kill the son of a bitch? Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah. You had a, that would have been like... You know, a that would have been easy. Gallery. That would have been easy pickings, especially with our laser guided bombs. And and they didn't look like they were being real stealthy about sneaking into town. They they were they were shooting machine yeah, guns up in them, the air. They wanted them warthogs. We had to know? have had. I mean, and they they about twenty five thousand people have fled Ramadi just in the past couple weeks. They moved out to the uh, the outskirts where supposedly ISIS can't reach them for now. But that city used to have a half million people. Obama and his uh, his band of of, of Mary Mary ostriches ha- have said it's a setback. Sure. Oh, it's a setback. I mean, we lost over fifteen hundred troops, I believe. Thirteen hundred and thirty five. Thirteen thirty five back from uh, two thousand four to two thousand seven, and uh, it's a critical area, part of the Anbar province. I mean, mil- I'm talking a little over my head now about military strategy, but it seems like I know a little bit more than the Obama administration, specifically Obama. You got here today, right? I did. You know more than the Obama administration. Well, it's, it is nice to be here in Sandy Springs, all safe and sound, away from the black flag well, of ISIS. But your president knows how to tweet now. Oh, and he and Mr. Clinton got to tweet back and forth. Wasn't that cute? I mean, yeah. oh, can you see Obama now, Mr. Narcissist in Chief, with with actual followers? I mean, <laughs> he literally has followers now. So, I think. That uh, that's going to be interesting stuff to, to follow him and 140 characters or less for for the president to tweet out stuff every day. I you know again priorities are qu- are clearly misplaced. The we are we are in a in a in a rough world. The media is reporting about his Twitter. They're not reporting about the this Benghazi smoking gun. It literally is not going away. It's festering. They've apparently found documents that show we were running guns from Benghazi to Syria. You know, and their solution now is let's bring in the Shia militia and help fight ISIS. I mean, you know, it's kind of that that old philosophy: the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The Shias are aligned with Iran, so the, uh, you know, you replace you place one. It's like okay, you uh, you don't have herpes anymore; you have chlamydia. You get a <laughs> you. Uh, it's seldom in my life have I heard the things that I'm hearing today. There was. There was dignity in loss. There was dignity in parties. But I'm hearing things, and you would never, in many years ago, go against or say anything against the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Right. Uh, Dempsey now has become a joke. Uh, and he's when, somewhat when a, respected, though, or he was prior he was, to this, but right? not anymore. Okay. Uh you know, when he doesn't have a plan, and you have previous uh, Secretary of Defense talking about him, you have previous uh, people in his same position saying negative things about him. This is very serious. And they people are now beginning more and more Retired, uh, and, and I want to bring. I want to segue into something else that I heard. And I don't know if okay. you heard it or not, but this is very serious. When you've got the retired people coming out and verbally grilling the people that are in, you know, they would have said some things before, but now they're naming names and calling names. 
I did hear something today, and it was on Fox. You may have seen the same thing. And this, it concerns me. Now, you know, we have our military. We also have contractors that have been doing a lot of the heavy carrying, heavy toting in the Middle East for a number of years. They can do the things that our military, quote, unquote, can't do. But now there's an organization that has started with veterans of the Middle East that are joining together and going to the Middle East on their own. <laughs> and they plan on being... Are they trying to be advisors or what? No, what? they're going to kill. <laughs> uh, they have been there, they've done that, and they feel sorry for the Iraqis that are being slaughtered by ISIS. And uh, it's going to be a very unauthorized, covert action of veterans. And they, are, they aren't sanctioned by the United States. They're so not, they're, mer- they're mercenaries? They're not, they're not mercenaries because they're not working. They're asking for donations. Uh, that people want to donate to their cause. They, they plan on funding themselves and feeding themselves off the land in Iraq. I say that's kind they of can't a even carry their wep- they can't even carry weapons. They plan on when they land going in and stealing and doing whatever's necessary to get weapons. Uh, can we not make a reality show about these guys? Love that it. would be incredible. And they, I was they thinking maybe you could go with them and you could be in the operation with them. I'm too old, <laughs> but you're young enough. You, you know, I would as much as I would love to be embedded with with uh, with mercenaries in uh, the desert. Um, I don't know if the wife would give me the hall pass. I think she I, you know, she'll probably I, help you pack. We can we, <laughs> we can always ask, David. But, uh, and I'll is, even is, throw in a beer for hey, you. Hey, listen, how about this? Why don't I throw a fundraiser for them and get them all a bunch of GoPros, and then they, they can they can send us live feeds every day. How about that? That that's is that cool or? I really like the idea of you would want you. me to go to I, there. Yeah, I, you think we get some ratings, and then we could you could call in. You know, to, I'd even oh, accept your calls. Anytime. Yeah, man, maybe you'd even give me a set. So anyway, we'll be back. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, 
and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming off of a, a, an outstanding Georgia GOP convention weekend. Um, on top of that, a couple of weeks ago I was at the Right Online conference. So the rise of citizen journalists has really been exciting because a lot of us graduate from journalism school, or even if we don't graduate from journalism school, we end up being able to report news, and, and sometimes we do it far better than the uh, than the conventional media. And, and wouldn't you like to add to your resume? Uh, you know, I, as tempting as this embedding offer is, can I can I can I sleep on it for twenty four hours, Dave? But uh, anyway, we're joined right now by uh, another citizen journalist, Christy Riggins, who's just taken over as the editor of ZPolitics.com. Christy, how are you? Welcome to Greg's List. Oh, I think we might have dropped the call there for a second. But uh, anyway, Christy will be joining us in just a minute. I just heard the call come back in. So as much as modern technology has been a boon to us, sometimes it's a little bit of a bane because not all of the uh, the connections typically work. But uh, Christy, welcome to Greg's List. Thanks for calling in today. Hey, Greg. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. It's been uh, it's really been two conventions this past uh, month that I've uh, been able to attend and just really gotten so much yeah. uh, enlightenment. Uh, this past one obviously was was a lot closer to home to wa- than Washington D.C. So uh, anyway, I'd introduced you, the new editor of ZPolitics.com. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and how the uh, the new position's looking out or looking. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I actually, we're, we're both fellow Bulldogs. Um, yep. I graduated from the University of Georgia, and I did that with an aim in getting into radio, actually. I was really, really passionate about talking. Well, radio. welcome to radio. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. Um, you know, I actually ended up leaving radio because I just got frustrated about yelling all the time and feeling like I wasn't really making an impact and, and really wasn't. Um, you know, actually feeling the tangible results of what I was doing. And so I left radio to become a campaign manager and political consultant, did that for about five years. And now life has kind of circled back around to being back in the media again. So now I'm at Z Politics and, and having a really good time covering um, some local Georgia news from a conservative perspective. Yeah, I had noticed uh, there's there's several blogs in the state of Georgia um Z Politics, uh, GeorgiaPundit.com, Peach Pundit. Mm-hmm. There's there's actually a few liberal blogs, which uh, I don't think are very yeah. well read. Then, of course, mine, GregsListLive.blog.com, and they all are uh, basically focused on uh, local politics. We do a little bit of national stuff, too, but we add what the AGAC isn't able to uh to, to break, and in fact, you guys broke a story last Friday with uh, Mark Hamilton, one of the uh, House members uh, from the Republican Party, uh, resigning his seat. And you, you guys, you yeah, know, that was pretty cool. So, what did you think when you guys were mentioned in the AJC as breaking that story? Oh, I mean, well, that that was just exciting. It, you know, it's, it's nice when you know these alternative media outlets like what we do are able to make an impact enough to get noticed and and called out by the mainstream media. Um, so, I mean, I, I was excited about that, and I think the more stuff like that starts happening, you know, it's going to help everybody who does the kind of things that we do 
um, and build our credibility and, and really help get our side of the story and the kind of news that we need to, to get out to, you know, to voters and regular people. Um, it's, it's really going to empower us to do that. Yeah, I mean, the, the AJC has, uh, you know, Galloway, Malloy, and Bluestein, and they, they do, I think they do a fine job, and, and what I really uh, respect about them is if they do get a story from, from one of us, they, they attribute it to us. So, uh, we are seeing kind of a synergistic, uh, effect, and yeah, we're, if, if you have a bunch of people all getting, having sources in different, uh, areas of the of Republican or even the Democrat Party or whatever party, then you are gonna have yeah. access to more breaking news and that's exactly what you guys were able to do uh, on friday yeah and i i think it's exciting and you know like i mean credit to the guys at the ajc i I think that atlanta is unique because at least here in georgia we have a good relationship i think with the mainstream media so that they're comfortable enough to to give us a shout out and give us credit on stories like that and and i've seen that you know not everywhere has that kind of um, you know, friendly relationship with the traditional press, so it's it's really exciting. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the the thing that differs uh, some of our blogs is we're not salacious stuff printing like Obama's invading Texas. I mean, it's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, some of its opinion, maybe you were able to get an interview with Marco Rubio at the convention. Just it's 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 hard news uh, for the most part. Right. It's not any kind of uh, salacious editorializing that uh, you. you can't vet you know so i think i think that's what what we're doing we're adding kind of a an extra layer uh and Mm -hmm. we're able to kind of go into the uh not just the forest but go into some of the trees so to speak Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, you were at the uh, convention this past weekend covering it. Um, I know you just wrote an excellent piece, five of your takeaways from the Georgia Republican yeah. Convention. And yesterday I was on Tim Bryant Newsmakers, and we were talking about, uh, I think Georgia means a lot to the national discussion. And yeah. um, tell me what uh, some of your thoughts were about the convention and uh, what you think about the SEC primary potentially impacting this presidential race. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, that was something that I really that I really came away and, and has kind of been at the top of my mind is is how awesome and wonderful it is that that Georgia and and really, you know, in in that vein, the entire Southeast is starting to have a bigger voice in national politics. Um, you know, for so long now, you've seen um, you know the major competitive states, Florida, Ohio, North Carolina. Um, you know, be able to take the biggest piece of the pie and having a voice. And, and obviously, the, the things that are important to, you know, people in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi are very different than the things that are important to folks in Ohio. Um, so the, the SEC primary concept is, is just so fantastic. And I think what you saw happen was, you know, when you get guys like, uh, Ted Cruz, who's, who's really already, you know, pretty much as conservative as, as you can get, but you have Marco Rubio and, and Chris Christie, who, who tend to be a little bit more towards the center. You saw them come down here to, to Georgia and speak to Southerners <laughs> and, and really give a different, a different side that, that at least you don't see of them in the mainstream media. I mean, you know, Ted, or, or not Ted Cruz, but Chris Christie was talking about his pro-life record when he was speaking to, to Georgia Republicans, which kind of blew me away because I, I feel like, you know, when you go to the North, that's not that's not going to be a, a top priority for somebody like Chris Christie to talk about to a major Republican gathering. Um, so I, I thought that that was 
extremely encouraging that that you have that going on. And, and I mean, you could just see the enthusiasm from the crowd. You know, when Brian Kemp, who's who's really been credited with orchestrating the SEC primary, um, you know, with him coming down to to the stage to to help continue to hype up um, this massive thing that's happening. I'm I'm really excited personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, four years ago, uh, Newt Gingrich, just being from here, took 47%. Santorum uh, came in second place, and then Romney was a distant third. <clears throat> and then, you know, Romney obviously won the uh, the nomination by a landslide. So Georgia's impact was, was negligible. And, again, I think that Georgia, being so endemic of the rest of the country, especially for the Republican Party, uh, just with yeah. so many different, you know, tents that we are, the, the the, the big tent that we are in so many different uh, parts of it or areas of it that's represented here in Georgia. You know, I think that if a politician can do well in here, a Republican uh, presidential candidate, then that's going to bode well for the rest of the nation. I totally agree. And I, I think especially for the, you know, for your your conservatives who are farthest to the right, I think that, that this is going to give us a much bigger voice in national politics that, that we haven't had before. It's, it's going to draw our presidential candidates a lot more into discussing the issues that are, that are very important to, to Southern conservatives. Right. And so, you know, the, your, your second takeaway you had was that uh, the economy, it seems that we're in this, you know, this, this malaise that Obama has doubled the national debt over the past six years. And it really, we're just kind of struggling. I think we can blame regulation. I think we can blame technology a little bit, although I'm not blaming ATM machines for taking bank teller jobs. There is uh, automation. And, and the fact is the American worker needs to learn a different skill set. Uh, manufacturing is oh. moving overseas so you think that uh foreign policy is going to be back on the radar in this next election tell me about that yeah well um when these presidential candidates you know ted cruz marco rubio chris christie came to speak it really stood out to me and it was and you know it was very very interesting to me that that there were two there were there were two things that i thought really shifted the conversation from what we've heard in the past you know, in the past presidential election and um, in the one before that, both when Barack Obama was elected, the major issue that was at the top of everybody's mind was jobs and the economy. And I think that now you're starting to see the perspective on that issue turn just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm one of the people who's a little bit more skeptical to just say we've had this massive economic recovery. I think that um, that's not necessarily the case. You know, Chris Christie joked about how, um, you know, your everyday American can say to Obama, um, you know, yeah, I know that you've created a bunch of jobs. I have three of them. <laughs> um, so I think I think that the quality of jobs has gone down and the number of, of these part-time or, or lower-paying jobs has gone up, um, right. you know, from, from what we've seen. But, I, but you also had candidates address that point um, by talking about, like what you mentioned, um, growing their technical skills and, and growing the, you know, putting some dignity back into, um, you know, like very hands-on jobs. Um, and, and I think that you had this resounding mes- message from all the candidates that, um, that four-year colleges are not necessarily right for everybody. So I thought that that was very interesting. But then what stood out to me also about the economic discussion shifting is that now you're kind of trending towards more of a foreign policy discussion. Um, you know, I think that Rob Woodall 
really, really said it best and really encapsulated it a couple of, and, and, you know, for those who don't know, Rob Woodall is um, a, a representative from from a district north of Atlanta um, in, in Georgia, and he had, he had said at a town hall that um, while the while America was focused on domestic issues, one day all of a sudden we woke up and the world became a really scary place. Um, and, and I think that, that the economy is still important. I think it's still on the top of people's minds, mm-hmm. but you're starting to see that shift towards people paying more attention to what's happening in the Middle East and what's happening with Russia and China. Right. And each of the presidential candidates this weekend had a very, very strong message for each of those items. Well, that's great. Yeah, we are seeing the uh, the, the geopolitical uh, world take a, uh, a larger focus. And, uh, Chrissy, if you can hang on a couple minutes, we're going to take our 2.30 break here. But I uh, yeah, wanted to, to, to talk a little bit more about the foreign policy, and then you've got some other very interesting points and uh, I think unique takeaways from the convention that I uh, wanted to talk about. So be back Thanks. in a couple yeah. of minutes on Greg's List. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy. Only on America's Web Radio. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient, because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Webradio.com. We are online chatting with uh, Christy Riggins from ZPolitics.com, the new editor. I uh, I actually noticed a few weeks ago, um, most of the, the blogs here do morning newsletters. They send you kind of headlines out. And I noticed a, a big change in ZPolitics format and... Uh, I guess um, had a little bit more of an attitude with the newsletter, and then I saw an announcement that Martha Zoller had uh, 
relinquished the reins, so to speak, to Christy Riggins. I um, reached out to her, gave her a call, and networked with her and said, hey, by the way, did you just start doing the morning newsletter recently? She said, yes. How'd you know? I said, well, I connected a few dots. So anyway, Christy, your <laughs> impact was, was known pretty quickly about uh, uh, when you. you took over the role. So I'm a lot more um, sarcastic and, <laughs> and maybe a little bit more brain damaged than Martha is when it comes to putting out that newsletter. Yeah, well, like I said, it was just a, a just a, a huge difference, and it was very noticeable. <laughs> and like I said, it, I think it's I think it's great to have that come in and give a little bit of a editorial with every newsletter, not just you know cut and paste stuff. So, but anyway, congrats on that. Uh, so we were talking a little bit of uh, geopolitics, and yeah. you know. I, I, I want to do something different this go around since we have what I think too many candidates jumping in this race already. I, I want to try to stay positive about everyone. Okay. So the other day, Carly Fiorina announced, and I made a joke about her announcing for vice president, but then she had great interviews with Katie Couric and uh, Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. So I mentioned how great she did on those shows. So hopefully people will see, okay, she's a, she's a viable candidate. The difference between her and Michelle Bachman is night and day, but there's one guy, there's one candidate that I do not think I'll be able to do this for, and that's Lindsey Graham, who announced that he's going to announce to run. And he said that the world is falling apart. That's why he's running, and he hates Rand Paul. And uh, oh, yeah. I just, I, I think his sole purpose to run is to be negative against Rand Paul and uh, run this campaign of fear that is really not an uplifting, inspirational message. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I, you know, I, I was kind of joking in the newsletter this morning that Lindsey Graham wins the wins the award for the most eye rolls at a presidential <laughs> announcement that any candidate has gotten. I don't. I I saw zero enthusiasm from anybody at the announcement of of Lindsey Graham wanting to run for president. I think that that's just the. There's a sense there that that is just a whole lot more noise that we don't need. You know, when you when you put Lindsey Graham and Donald Trump together <laughs> talking about jumping into the presidential race, I mean, that, that about sends us over the top. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually really, really encouraged. Um, you know, I, something that I've been thinking about so much lately is that, you know, when you look at the Democrat side, you just have, you know, like two or three old white people yep. who are interested in, in running for the, the Democrat spot. Um, you know, when you look at the GOP position and the presidential candidates that we have, I mean, there are so many of those guys that I would be so happy to cast my vote for. You know, we have Carly Fiorina, a woman. We have Ben Carson, an African-American man. We have Bobby Jindal, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio. Uh, we, we have so many experienced people jumping in and a very diverse field who bring so much to the party. So I'm with you. I hope that this can be a very positive election and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing who we come out with because I think that we have some really strong candidates that the Democrats just can't bring to the table right now. Yeah, I mean, I you know, clearly we have a much deeper bench. I, uh, I'm eagerly awaiting Scott Walker's announcement. Of clearly he's going to run. I think he needs to go ahead and, and get in this thing. I think Jeb Bush is making a strategic error by delaying it so long because, um, you know, frankly, he's ra been able to raise a lot of money, but he's really dipping in the polls. And um, unfortunately, when he, he's, when he does get interviewed, they ask him if he would have invaded Iraq. So it's kind of... His, yeah. pl his platform to speak has been been really uh, nullified. Yeah, 
And there, I mean, you know, to, to be fair to, to Jeb Bush, I mean, there, the, the media has been chomping at the bit to, to try and catch him in like a gotcha moment. I, I mean, anybody who listens to his interview knows what he was trying to say, um, you know. But the media, the media, and of course his opponents, um, you know, took took the context of that quote and, and kind of twisted it a little bit and ran with it. So, I mean, that that's just the nature of it. Yeah, I mean, oh, they're not, they're, you know, I they, I haven't heard him ask Hillary Clinton, who actually voted to invade Iraq, who was actually fairly bellicose mm-hmm. about her support of it. I haven't heard her even be questioned one bit about it. It's just part of the, the double standard. But uh, mm-hmm. let's, um, let's, exactly talk, right. let's talk a little bit more about the... Uh, the convention, uh, John Paget won re-election. I thought I had predicted and hit the nail on the head with a 57% prediction, but they did a recount and found that Alex Johnson had garnered uh, 60 more votes. So it actually was a 55% margin, 55-45 margin for John Paget. And, uh, you know, there's there's certainly some unhappy people uh, on the Johnson side. Uh, what do you do you think that we'll be able to unify the state party and, and, and get a good uh, team back in place for the uh, the presidential election? You know, I'm I'm an optimist when it comes to that. So I, I have faith in, in Georgia Republicans that, that eventually we're going to put aside our differences and be able to unite and, and move forward. Um, I actually thought that, you know, the, the divide is, is kind of a sexy issue. Everybody likes to talk about the infighting and the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, recent polls came out saying that, um, you know, voter approval, GOP voter approval for Nathan Deal is at 76%. <laughs> you know, report, or reports um, said that Johnny Isaacson's approval right now among GOP voters is at 71%. <laughs> like, that's huge. I can't get my entire family to agree on where to go to dinner, you know, with a 71, 76%, you know, approval rating. Yeah, three out of four, um, right? You know, <laughs> Yeah, let alone get an entire, you know, the entire state um, Republican Party to to get behind our, our folks like that. So, I mean, I think I think there's some evidence out there to say that Republican voters really aren't quite as split as the media wants to portray us as. I, I mean, I think I think that what it came down to between Paget and Johnson is, um, you know, is is this conflict within the Republican Party right now on whether the party's responsibility is solely fundraising or whether it's going to be about holding our candidates accountable. And I, I actually think that, that that discussion that we're having right now and that, that debate is a very healthy thing. Um, I think that eventually we're going to come out on the other side of this and we're going to be much stronger for it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you mentioned is the uh, the minority engagement, uh, which I like is I like that as a pejorative better than my, minority outreach. It means that we're engaged yeah. the whole time, that we acknowledge the fact that uh, we have huge uh, problems with the black community, um, the the Hispanic community is is a. That one is it's a far more complex issue, and uh, we do mm. tend to, to – Jeb Bush got 44% of the vote uh, back when he was running for Florida governor. So that is a, a little bit more of a fickle uh, demographic, but clearly uh, in a state of like Georgia where we have a 30, 30% of the population or maybe a little more is black, we need to be concentrating on that demographic and not just floating in six weeks before the election and say, hello, remember us? So, yeah. Um, 
you know, Paget uh, and company, the RNC, I think they did a great job. This past cycle, Governor Deals uh, specifically, um, you know, went to some of the places uh, in the in the in the black community that we don't typically go. We told the story of uh, the criminal justice reform and how that was helping everybody. So I, I, I see us moving in a great direction in that regard. Yeah, and, you know, I spoke with um, Leah Smith yesterday, who is, yep. the, I guess, in, in charge of minority engagement here in Georgia, and he had some insight that I just think that, that Republicans all over the country can benefit from. And, and him and, and Michael McNeely both spoke to me, and, and their, their major points that they made to me were just resoundingly that in order to engage in these, these new communities, we need to put our party pride aside and start talking to people about how this is actually going to affect them and their pocketbooks and their faith and family life and their career. Um, it's about getting to know these individuals is what they told me. And then once you start building these personal relationships through actual outreach organizations, then that's when you're going to start seeing buy-in and you're going to start kind of this tree effect. Um, and so I'm, I was so encouraged in, in talking to them, and I think that they've, they're really on the right track. You know, even Ted Cruz remarked when he, was, when he was here this past weekend that he had never seen anything like what's going on in Georgia. <laughs> and I think that, that that's because we have, we have some people, we have the right people in place right now who really have a very strong focus on, on reaching out. And, um, you know, kudos to Chairman John Padgett, who has really had his eyes on the prize with this one as well. He's been very passionate about this issue. Yeah, I mean, and, and we have to look at it. You know, we're not going to get 50% of the black vote. But if we double it like we did in the governor's race, and, and I think that's pretty proven. I mean, we won by such a yeah. wide margin. They We don't ask people what color they are when they vote. Um, it's not on the ballot. But uh, I think the exit polls showed it. The Democrats like to deny it. Uh, but anyway, I think it was pretty evident that we got about 10 percent of the the african-american vote this past cycle you know if we can just incrementally gain if we can get 12 percent next time and, and slowly carve into what's been a, a monolithic you know democrat uh, opportunity and, and i think what we're seeing now in some of these major cities like baltimore and detroit and chicago we are seeing the the complete uh failure of of liberal progressive politics and and but instead of being mean about it we need to show an alternative and i think that's what we're doing in georgia is to always be optimistic always smile yeah. when you say it and yeah. not try to be so so negative and that's my fear that some of these presidential candidates are not going to have that mentality ronald reagan was a great optimist uh george hw yeah. the bush they were they were optimistic um obviously after 911 uh we clearly woke up in a different world that day but uh i think in 2008 and 2012 we were clearly too pessimistic so but yeah. uh Chris i think I, yeah i think that everybody in every community is sick and tired of the pessimism and the and the infighting of the attacks i think that the the if the georgia minority engagement efforts have shown anything that the positivity and the hopefulness and and actual education is the way to go rather than kind of these old tactics of... of I just, agree you know, 100%. I look forward to working with you during these next few months. Christy Riggins, zpolitics.com. Check them out. Thanks for calling. I'm sure we'll have you on back again soon. Thanks, Christy. Thank you.
And we'll be back with John Bush, president of the Atlanta Young Republicans, in a couple minutes on Greg's List. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's WebRadio.com. Just wrapped up with Christy Riggins, the new editor of ZPolitics.com, a, a pretty expansive interview. And uh, wanting to pick up a little bit uh, on, on some of the topics discussed there. Joining us right now on his uh, debut at Greg's List is John Bush, the president of the Atlanta Young Republicans and also the chairman of the 5th District here of the GOP in Georgia, John, how are you? Welcome to Greg's List. Greg, I'm doing well. Long-time listener, first-time caller. How are you this afternoon? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Just coming off what I consider a, a rousingly successful uh, Georgia Republican convention. I know you were in the trenches a little bit having to do the uh, the fun work of uh, the Credentials Committee. Am I right? That's right. Uh, we, had, we had some great speakers, and, and uh, the other good part of the convention is that we didn't do anything embarrassing or that would cause... Us ongoing problems in the future with the party. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I call that the Michelle Bachman rule, right? You know, it's like, okay, did we do anything that'll take national uh, attention away from from what we're really doing, the good work of uh, of improving people's lives um, with limited government, but efficient government, hopefully here in Georgia. So you're right about that. What what do credentials? What does the credentials committee actually do? I know y'all were kind of cordoned off in a room with like 15 of uh, uh, brave volunteers soldiers on this, but uh, <laughs> nobody really knows what you guys do. So, <laughs> well, we're we're we work in tandem with registration. People walk in, they register, and hopefully, they never need to deal with credentials because <laughs> their county parties have adequately transmitted that they are delegates or alternates to the state convention, and they once they pay their money and, and collect their badge, they're free to go anywhere on the convention hall floor, anywhere else. 
credentials comes into play if there was some issue with the county party's transmittal of the delegate or alternate information to the convention. Uh, in some counties, it was just an innocent error. In one of the coastal counties, uh, there were four different numbers that, that we had submitted for their total number of delegates just because of, of user error with entry. And then we also had some substantive challenges, such as to the, the Newton County delegation, mm-hmm. where they challenged that uh, their delegation should not even be seated, that a, an alternative delegation should actually be seated in their place. <laughs> so, so a lot of the fun stuff that hopefully people, uh, like you said, don't uh, don't run into too often. Now, um, on Friday, we heard from uh, the three presidential candidates that came in. Chris Christie was at a breakfast in the morning. He's not official yet, but uh, judging by his uh, his media appearances the past forty eight hours, I'm pretty sure he's going to be announcing soon. We also had Marco <laughs> Rubio at three p.m. on on Friday, and Ted Cruz spoke at a dinner. So we had uh, so three pretty exciting candidates and. and and what I would consider very serious. Uh, what is? What do you think that says about our Republican Party that we're able to get speakers like that to come in? Oh, it says it, it, it says that we are a serious state, at least for money. Hopefully, we'll be a serious state for uh, actually attracting votes if the SEC primary comes through uh, with adoption across the SEC states. Uh, aside from that, I guess it was a, de- a dead time politically. And we were fortunate to be able to get them come in. I know that they had a, a dinner in Iowa that a number of them attended as well. So it's fortunate that we were able to get the swing through Georgia that we did. Yeah, and uh, and I thought it was it was it was a good move on their part. I when I got there on uh, Friday, Ted Cruz uh, emerged from a uh, uh, I guess maybe he had some kind of uh, private event, but he emerged and just you know was bombarded by a lot of folks that wanted to get their picture with him. My wife ended up uh, grabbing a photo with him, and she commented to me how nice he was to take pictures. I said, well, yes, of course he's very nice. He's running for office, but it was also very intelligent for him to do that because. While some of the candidates charge $500 and try to leverage it as a fundraiser for the photo op, Cruz realized that, hey, if I sit here for 20 minutes, take a few pictures, which I would say probably numbered at least 50 to 75, all of a sudden he got a lot of attention in the state of Georgia as that went out virally over Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and some of these other social media methods. So I thought he did a great job. Rubio's speech, from what I heard, was great. And uh, I I didn't hear much about Chris Christie, but... uh, Todd Ream was on Newsmakers yesterday and seemed to think that Chris Christie had, had, had reached some new potential voters here in Georgia. So it, it clearly was worth it for all three of them to come here. Um, one of the things that's starting to concern me a bit is, you know, literally everybody that has any kind of record of achievement on the Republican Party is now seriously considering a run for president. And I, I almost think that... Uh, that makes us vulnerable to having too many potential gotcha moments, and also it makes us look very unorganized as a party. Um, what do you think that, that Atlanta or uh, young Republicans are looking for in a president, and what do you think about having 20 candidates uh, <laughs> running for president? <laughs> it's a crowded uh, debate stage, that's for sure. I mean, from, <laughs> from the YR voter standpoint, I think like everybody else, we want a candidate who can win. Uh, among YRs, I think there's a greater willingness to embrace candidates that the media would call second tier because they don't have a record like you expressed. And, and there's certainly a greater uh, reluctance to support a first tier candidate who has an ideological blemish like a, a Jeb Bush or maybe even a John Kasich. Since it, looks, it looks like he's going to hop in the race. So uh, 
for those folks who don't have quite the same record, you've, you've got Carly Fiorina, who, uh, as you were describing earlier in the show, I mean, she, I mean, she, she has uh, a nice resume, but but she's she's relative, she hasn't won elected office before. You've got Ted Cruz, you've got Ben Carson, all fine individuals, but there's just not a lot of record there. Uh, I wouldn't think that we're we're you know we're, we're not. So we're, we're certainly willing to embrace those candidates who don't have a record, but at the same time, too, the, the upper-tier candidates still certainly have a strong YR following, the Scott Walkers, the Marco Rubios, Rand Paul, and maybe even Chris Christie. And I, I would agree with Todd Reams' assessment of Chris Christie at that breakfast Friday morning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's kind of what we're going to have to do is, is shake it out. There is a huge difference, though. I mean, you know, four years ago we cringed every time Michelle Bachman said something, and now we have Carly Fiorina going on to, uh, you know, no, what is not typically Republican-friendly shows and doing extremely well and being able to, um, to to point out Hillary Clinton's deficiencies without looking like she's, she's nuts. So uh, I think that if you just compare those two candidates from the four years, you're going to get a little little bit of a feel over the difference that we have. And that's why I, I just I, I'm frustrated with the fact, you know, in 2012, we had a ton of candidates come out because there was no clear front runner. Now they've got a few more years of um, of achievement and accomplishment. And now everybody's running again. And it, it, it makes us look a little foolish, in, in my opinion. Well, and to add to that, I mean, from the YR perspective, uh, what I most want from a candidate is somebody who can articulate, this is why I'm a Republican. This is why you should vote for me. And there, there are four to seven candidates within this field that we've rattled off names of and somebody we are probably forgetting who, who can do a very good job of that as a party standard bearer. And for, for people like you and me who uh, are trying to recruit people, it's fantastic to have a standard bearer who can make that message, make that pitch, because it makes it so much easier to fall in line behind somebody who can articulate a persuasive message. Yeah, and I mean, I do see uh, an opportunity for these candidates if they stay positive. Then, then I feel like, you know, it can grow the base a little bit. But uh, when somebody like Lindsey Graham hops in, who, you know, clear about the only good thing I can say about him is he won by a large margin in South Carolina. But I just see him as being the exact opposite of of what we need is a, you know, a. a Building a, a consensus, being positive. Yes, we need to be mind, mindful of what's going on in the Middle East, but we don't need to be so scared that we give up all of our freedoms and that we we make people paranoid and that we we look like we're worried that we're going to get attacked. Because frankly, the, the the United States is not in any danger of being invaded by ISIS. So uh, I, I just I don't think these fear mongering tactics are, are, are good for the party, and I see him being a very negative uh, influence on this race. Hopefully, he'll have almost no influence on the race. I mean, we, we've had uh, th- think of all the the minor senators who've run for president. Uh, I mean, Arlen Specter ran as a Republican in ni- at least ninety six, maybe even two thousand as well, mm-hmm. and probably never even emerged at the at the second tier level. And I think Lindsey Graham. There's no groundswell of people saying we need to draft <laughs> Lindsey Graham to be the president of the United States. Uh, there's a, there's a groundswell of people saying we need to draft somebody to run against Lindsey Graham in a primary. Yeah, but 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 nothing beyond that. I mean, I, I look. There's there's a lot of great things about Lindsey Graham. I've respected him for his work during the the, the Clinton impeachment trial. Mm-hmm. But uh, as my presidential standard bearer, I don't think anybody's clamoring for that. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we need to, to to look at. Not only young. I mean, and and I do see the. Uh 
uh, Republicans in general, obviously in Georgia this past uh, uh, election, once the uh, primary was over, everybody uh, embraced David Perdue and uh, Governor Deal, and we won by healthy margins. Um, I think uh, clearly Isaacson is is going to be the, the re-elected senator, assuming he runs, and uh, everything is pointing to that. So, you know, we've got a, the, the presidential race, basically, that's at the forefront, and, um, you know, I think the, the young Republicans are finally getting uh, more respect as being somebody that needs to be not only running around carrying signs, but actually at the table helping out uh, with policy. Yeah, and, and I appreciate a lot of the work you've done in that respect because we certainly want to leverage all the YRs for a very constructive end in 2016 and every election year. And right now we're doing everything we can to make uh, our clubs as appealing as possible uh, to the conservative demographic that they want to come out for the many different reasons that a YR club can appeal to people. Uh, we are great social clubs, great friendships, great professional networking and, and beyond, and we really have to work on having ensuring that uh there there are you know we certainly have the train ready to go to leave the station and work on campaigning we just have to make sure there are cars attached to it yep that's exactly right well listen john i appreciate you calling in today ayr has a event is it next week with the uh monday night brewing we've got this thursday at monday night brewing at six thirty. and i'll be real quick greg congratulations uh on your award as gyr man of the year it was well deserved and uh, for all the accomplishments you've had in advocating for conservatism. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that, John, and look forward to uh, seeing you in the near future. And thanks for the work you did at the convention this past weekend. It, uh, it doesn't get enough credit. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening, as always, today. Replays of the show will be on 6 p.m. tonight, 8 p.m. tomorrow, and then on the website podcast. Thank you to Christy Riggins and John Bush for being our wonderful guests today. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.